Welcome back, listeners, to the Listen In Podcast. You got Jake and Sean here. We are coming to you live in the post-Trump election loss. What are your thoughts, Jake? It's, it's a weight has been lifted. I feel freer. I feel lighter. How are you doing? Yeah, I would say Saturday was the, the purest excitement and joy I allowed myself to feel you know, in in this calendar year, which has not been this one, year. this has not been a year replete with opportunities for joy. <laughs> um, no, it uh, no, they've no. they've been scarce has not. on a on a global yep. kind of cultural scale, social scale. Yeah. Um, but this felt pretty big, and I am excited because um, you know, obviously, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. I think in the pre-show, um, I feel less excited about the fact that it is Joe Biden who will be president than I am about the fact that, that Trump will be out and he will be out. I truly believe that. But part of this celebration mood has been dampened a bit by the pure resistance and literal lies on, on the other side about the results. It's pure delusion. It's pure delusion. And I think it's hilarious. Part of it's hilarious because, you know, the knock on liberals, Jake, is, oh, you're a liberal snowflake, or, oh, I'm drinking liberal tears. Fuck you. It, the people who are the biggest bitches about this are members of the Republican Party. I'm sorry, not the Republican Party. The cult of Trump is what it has become now. It is pure fucking delusion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I'm, I'm very, I'm more happy that Trump lost than that it's Biden. I don't give a fuck about Joe Biden. If anything, he's the perfect nothing in between sort of buffer between post-Trump and whatever comes next. Like, we'll see, because I actually think we're going to go through this again in 2024. I think we're going to have different candidates on both sides. Um, Fine. If whatever, I I don't care that it's Joe Biden. I just care that it's not Trump. Um, And I agree his ass is going to be dragged out of there no matter what. And I actually hope he hangs on so that he gets embarrassed and like someone does drag his ass out of there. Um, But what an excruciating week it was to have the election on Tuesday. Um, The anxiety on Monday was at a fever pitch. I have to say just like, it was very hard to focus at work. It was very hard to get things done. Like everything was consumed by the fact that the election was happening the next day. I don't know about you. It felt surreal for it to finally be here, for it to finally be the time that the election was happening. Because Jake, you and I, we were in the same room four years ago, watching the returns come in, slack jawed at what we were seeing. We kind of couldn't believe the results. And look, I'll put my hand up as like being sort of shell-shocked at that. And if you want to drink my my lib tears, fine. Um, for four years ago, I did fully expect Hillary Clinton to win. She didn't. Um, and we were kind of taken back by that. I remember even then being like, wow, four years from now, what's that going to be like? I could never have predicted the situation we'd be in now. Um, And it was absolutely surreal to have that happen. Not only the day before where I feel like anxiety was at a fever pitch, but day of too, to be like, wow, it's, it's fucking election day. 
what, what how did you feel not only right before but also like kind of through that week yeah I, I so I felt a lot of things and and up until now I hadn't really fully like you saying it just now fully made it resonate with me that it has been four years and like how crazy that is like that's unbelievable that we actually are through the four years we're here um the way it felt to me was like it felt like you know like the day of a test kind of like where i was definitely generally anxious and when you pass the ballot in it's just like now we just gotta wait to see if i fuck this up and not and it's obviously it's not me it's us as a, a nation or whatever um, but it's like, it's just that like anxiety of like, okay, like, I think that went well. I, every indicate, like I studied, um, you know, like we all felt like we were on the right. same page going into this, but like, I really right. won't know until I see that score. And that's how I felt all day Tuesday. And I'll be honest, I did the best job I've ever done with election coverage of, because I was so anxious, I didn't watch the night of, which I didn't anticipate but knowing what I knew wow. about how mail-in votes were going to come in, I didn't allow myself because I, it, by the time I went to bed, it was like probably 1 a.m. And I had successfully ignored, 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 watched The Simpsons, fell asleep on the couch for a while, woke up and I was like, all right, maybe now it's time to like see a picture of things. And it was in a five minute span, exactly as depressing as I thought the whole night would be. Cause it looked like, Oh, we're cooked. Like Trump is leading huge. And so that, that feeling was pretty grim going to bed that night with just like, man, again, again, really like I, I, I sort of didn't allow myself not to expect this, but I also, now that it's happened, I can't believe it happened again. But then the next day, so there was a roller coaster, like you said, because Wednesday morning, absolutely. And Thursday was just the steady and slow. And, and I want to talk about the false label of a comeback because it, what it felt like right. was it felt like 28-3. It felt like, oh, like Biden's coming yeah. back. But there's a danger in that label because that feels like and it lends people cr some credence in their own mind to the notion that the election was stolen or the election was fraudulent. When in fact, these votes were there first, the ones that they were voting last. That's if right. anything, Trump came back. We just saw the results in That's reverse. Right. So it definitely felt like a comeback, and it definitely felt like big-time nail-biter um, with a lot on the line, but that wasn't what it was in reality. And, no, it wasn't. And the, the footnote there is it's because of Republican legislators that they weren't able to count those early votes when they came in and had to wait until after they counted the votes from election day. Yep. So you, yeah, you had this false narrative develop, which was on purpose. They wanted that. They wanted that to, to sow confusion and doubt. Um, it absolutely was a roller coaster, though. How did you vote, by the way? How, like, how did I actually vote? Like, yeah, when, I, when did I, you vote? What I went the day of. There's many ways people voted this time. Sure. I thought at first you meant who did I vote we for? We have these mail ballots, Jake. Many, many of these fraudulent mail ballots. They're coming through. <laughs> we don't know where they're coming from. They're not with our people. They are not with our people. These are bad. These are really bad deal. No. So I went in person. <laughs> I went in person the day of to Manchester, New Hampshire, Ward 7, St. Anthony's Church on Somerville mm -hmm. Street. 
um, felt some pride for it. Like it, it was a rare moment where through my prism of what I understand reality to be now, which is so different than like pride I would have felt when I was a kid or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I was a little bit proud of like this little, you know, it's like, it, it just, it's, it's not the wealthiest ward in the city. It's, 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 it's a kind of a very, very middle class, but people turned out there were long lines at each of the tables to sign in. There were lines to get your ballot. Um, didn't take an exceptional amount of time, but it was um, longer than I've ever had for voting before. So there was a good turnout. Um, yeah, went in person um, and then cast it out. Spent most of my time in there, honestly, because I just blew through the actual ticket. But then there was this yep. question uh, with legalese language about like basically like school board stuff. And I was like, shit, I was not prepared for this. Do you not, not want to allow the school board? Right. Blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> Should the city of Manchester, wherein there are citizens, it's like there's so many clauses. In like, <laughs> dude, seriously, they, yep. need to, they need to plain language edit that shit. They need to. Oh, you know that's on purpose. Of course it is. Of course it is. But there, there has to be reform in that way. Because, like, and this is not a boast, because I, I consider myself of average intelligence. But, like, I, I have... <laughs> uh, no, I think you're above average intelligence. Well, whatever the case. I, I'm, I'm saying that on the record. That is, you are above average intelligence. Do not sell yourself short on that. Thank you very much. But, I, but, but I, I, what I basically was trying to say is like, I'm a person who has like a couple degrees. You know what I mean? Like, and like, I'm, I'm not so... <laughs> yeah. That's above average, man. They're all in the realm of writing and communication. I could not understand this legalese question that that's, I had to vote that's on. That's a problem. As a problem. Because I was yeah. just like, what is So I was like in there Googling, like, what do I vote on question one? Like, what do I do? Right. Uh, right. I eventually voted yes, I believe. I kind of forget what it even means that I did that. But um, that just goes to show. Uh, Jake, the, the woke leftist mob is going to come after you for uh, voting the wrong way on that. So anyways, that's how I voted. Went through the roller coaster of the week, climaxing in Saturday, which was like the most pure celebration I've felt. And I, I will say that the ride has ended and I'm leaving the theme park now where I'm like, okay, that was fun. Yeah. This is good. Like we're, we're in a good place. You kind of have a headache from yep. all the roller coasters. You're like, Oh, why do I feel sick? I might try to fall asleep on the ride home if I can. But like yeah. the, I listened to an episode of the New York times podcast, the daily on Tuesday or something. And it was them interviewing people on both sides, Democrats and Republicans. Um, and it was astounding to me how many of the Republicans had some version of the narrative that the election was stolen. And I don't believe that. I believe there's no credence to it. I think it is, you know, it, it's an intentional, like you said, it's doubt that has been sown intentionally among the American people for the benefit of one party. But it did strike me that that almost doesn't really matter to most people. And, and, and the, the idea of truth and reality there's just two different versions of them out there. And there's people who yeah. think, yep, this was a stolen election. No matter what you say, no matter what the, the, the liberal New York Times says or liberal CNN says, or even Fox News now, dude. Fox News. Dude, I know. That, that's the funniest part of this. Fox yep. News cut away from a Kaylee McEnany, Trump's press secretary, from, from a press conference she was holding. In I which, hate her. I hate her. I don't know her. I don't know anything about her other than she's a mouthpiece for yeah. fucking lies and fascism. I 
fucking hate her. She's no good. And she was in her press conference baselessly and, you know, really flippantly just straight up claiming that the Democratic Party is one, welcoming fraud, and two, intentionally trying to make the process more fraudulent. When in fact, by virtue of what they're doing and by virtue of the way they are carrying themselves post-election loss, they're doing more ill for the, the trust in the election and in people's belief in elections in this country than anyone has ever in history. And the, the 100%. irony of that and the pure hypocrisy of that just about crushed my soul on Tuesday. It was too much for me to bear. I, I feel you. So let, let me give you my, my kind of story, my perspective of the week. Yeah. I, and I think that was very well, well summarized by you. I had gone earlier the week before. I went to the town clerk office in Kittery, Maine, um, got my vote in early. Um, part of me felt proud for sticking it to, to Trump and going early and getting it done and being yeah. like, yeah, fuck you, dude. This vote's going to count the same yep. as all the other ones do. Um, and I will say both of our states went blue and they went blue easily yep. uh, in the presidential election, at least. Maine, we dropped the ball in Susan well, Collins, but that's, well, that's a different story. I don't, wanna, I don't really want to talk about that. But Sean, with these mail-in votes, we don't know where these came from. Well, we don't know. I mean, look, Jake, we don't know how many mail-in votes came from people who had died uh people who had changed their maiden name this is this is fraudulent this is a, this is a very bad deal a very bad deal. this is the biggest fraud ever perpetrated on the american people and you were part of it sean quite by mailing frankly, in your vote quite frankly we did win this election oh my god no fuck off dude so i went early um voted in person town clerk's office got my vote in Monday, excruciatingly anxious. Tuesday, excruciatingly anxious. Um, you, Jake, were smarter than I was because I, even knowing we would not have results on Tuesday night, decided to tune in around 8.30 because I saw a couple texts from Matt come in. I saw Kara uh, was in my ear. She's like, ooh, Florida looks like it's being called early. I was like, what? What is this? No, no, that seems too early. Turned it on. Florida looks like it's going towards Trump. There was a half hour window there where I was watching where Ohio, Biden jumped out to a big lead because I think they actually counted the mail-in ballots first there. I was like, ooh, wow, Ohio, back to being a battleground again. Texas looked blue early. There was a half hour window where I was like, landslide. This is going to be a wipeout. Biden's got this. That very, very quickly flipped, though. It felt like all at once, Ohio flipped, Texas flipped, Florida was all but confirmed. Um, Trump jumped out to massive leads in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan. I was like, no, it's 2016 all over again. And North Carolina was up in the air. I was like, no, no, no. There was, a, there was another half hour window right after that, that one where I was like, hey, we got this. Both Kara and I were despairing. Like literally, we were just like, what are we going to do? Seriously, what's happening right now? Um, Kara ended up going to bed. I stayed up. I, I put CNN on mute. My guy, John King. Big shout to John King. I love that guy. He is so good at his job. He has such knowledge of all the different fucking counties in America. 
He's a wizard with the, with the big board, with the map. He's so good. He's like, and, and, and you'll notice he does this tick. He has this verbal tick where he like does a sharp inhale of breath through his nose. And, and Jake, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll notice, and you'll notice we got to count all the votes. Not all the votes are in. We got to count all the votes. And, but a calming presence. I love John King. He's my guy. So I put it on mute and I put on like a fucking like Ryan Rissillo podcast where they were talking yeah. about like NBA or NFL or something like that. And I ended up falling asleep on the couch until I think it was probably like two in the morning or so. And it was still going. And I took a look. Not much had changed. I was like, fuck this. I'm going to bed. Go up to bed. I will say the most excruciating part of the week, I think, was Wednesday because yep. I did not want to focus on work. I was tired because I fell asleep on the couch the night before. And I was just like kind of on edge. As Wednesday wore on, though, I think things if you if you are a very online person like both you and I, I think we could classify ourselves as like being online. Yep. Like we're, we're part of the discourse. You started to get a sense by late Wednesday, oh, actually, Biden's going to win this. Like, he's got this. Yes, Because you had people who were on Twitter being like, well, actually, the ballots that are left to count in these states, these states, and these states are predominantly blue. They're probably going to go probably like 65-35 to Biden. And I started to feel really good by the end of Wednesday, especially into Thursday. So by the time like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday rolled around, I was like, oh, we like Biden won um, before people were even like aware of that, like normal people were even really aware. I was like, oh, no, he's got this. So, yes, a lot of anxiety had evaporated by, I think, Thursday, Friday, Friday. I was like, oh, it's, it's only a matter of time. It was in the bag. Sat- exactly. Exactly. And, and if- Saturday happened. Well, I was just going to interject quickly about, I believe it was Thursday or maybe even Friday. It was one of those two mornings where I woke up and I was like, oh, like he, I checked results and it's like, oh, he's pulled ahead in Georgia and in Pennsylvania. Like, yeah. And it's like, it's not gonna, that's not going to reverse because like, how could it? It's like, I think it was, was that Friday? I think it was Friday. One of those days. And we popped off in the group text. I think the pallbearers didn't show up yet. No, no. As a, as a point we of context that for, for the official for, announcement for any listeners, the Ghanaian pallbearers gift, just Google that we have used it in, <laughs> in a group chat. Big friend of the pod, Josh has used it as a way to signal the end of the Trump era. And we were very excited for him to bring them out, but we talked about how we couldn't have that gif appear in the chat too soon. Otherwise it would be like Arthur blank coming down to celebrate the Falcon Super Bowl win before 28 to three happened and the Patriots win in overtime. We were talking about how like they were like the champagne bottles and t-shirts waiting in the locker room or like David Ortiz with goggles on in the ninth inning with two outs. Like we knew they were there. They're, they're, they're ready to come out, but <laughs> they're waiting in the wings. We got to talk about Saturday though. So by Thursday, Friday it was kind of a foregone conclusion. Saturday happens. I knew it was only a matter of time. Saturday morning, I get some coffee. I come back. I go to my happy place, which is Red Dead Redemption 2. It has been just the best coping mechanism of this year. A bomb. Um, If anyone hasn't played it, I I highly recommend it. So I'm playing. Kara goes, they called it. We immediately turn on CNN. Jubilant celebrations happening. 
across the country. It was like the end of fucking Star Wars, yeah, where they're toppling statues of the emperor. People are dancing in the streets. This is the thing that I find hilarious um, about these delusional fucking crazy people who think the election was stolen. Why do you think people are dancing in the fucking streets? Exactly. Why do you think we're dancing on your grave? We all hate you. We all hate what you stand for. A majority of people hate what you're all about, man. What it comes down to is, is for tr- Trump right now is, is liberals in 2016, where he's like, because he's been surrounding himself with sycophants and yes men and people who give him the information he wants to hear for four years and is already per- a person who is like beyond, like he's such a uh, just believes what he wants to believe person. So when he sees he's losing, he's like, this can't Sounds be. Sounds like no- uh, someone I know in my family. Ah, okay, okay, very interesting. A little, little <laughs> bomb there, a little Woj bomb. Yeah, um, yeah, a little bit. Little but bit. Uh, he, to him, seeing the loss, and, and I heard, like, I think it was Maggie Haberman on one of the New York Times podcasts was talking about, like, people, a lot of people in Trump's cabinet had no expectation he would lose, like, did not believe it was possible. Like there, Are you serious? And there were some people who did. There were some people who were more realistic and were like, ah, I'm actually relieved and stuff. But there were people like, especially in the Trump family and very close that were like, this won't happen. Like the, and I think it's because they're just surrounding themselves with yes men. And so to him, the idea that it has to be fraudulent because no one doesn't like him. Like, that, wow. You know what I mean? But it's like, and he's not looking at the footage of people celebrating, although the pictures of him seeing it on his return to the White House, excellent. Excellent. Amazing. Chef's kiss. Okay. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So Saturday rolls around. I, I have some stories to tell about Saturday. So Saturday rolls around. And I had this in my head as soon as the results were called. I was going to turn up. I was going to pop bottles. I was going to go in. I was going to go hard. Karen and I did plan to do this on Friday night. If like we, we did expect a, a result then. Um, and I was like, we're turning up. Like we're going to listen to music. We're dancing. We're drinking champagne. We're going all in. Didn't happen. So we held off. Saturday rolls around. I had plans to hang out with my little sister and it was just, the timing was absolutely perfect. She comes over, big hug, big relief, big celebratory feel for that entire day i go get a champagne i go get some miller highlights the champagne of beers jake um i go caitlin was like oh they have these new uh holiday themed bud light seltzers i was like we're getting them i don't care what so we get back we got the champagne pop a bottle make a fucking mess in the kitchen we're putting on music we got uh a little baby going we got our guy gonna we got playboy cardi we got all all young thug we're 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 dancing um we do a taste test of all of the bud light seltzer holiday flavors we're cheersing we're taking pictures we're dancing on grave we're having a great great time so we have a few drinks we go out to the park. We go, we walk downtown, downtown Portsmouth, big uh, liberal bastion, Jake. Yes. Uh, these Democrat-run cities, oh, ve- very bad deal, very that's, bad deal. Sean, that's probably a, 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 a hot zone for fake votes. 
Oh, oh, it was all fraudulent. Trump, Trump took this by uh, a wide margin. If it, if it wasn't for the fraud that was rampant here, Jake, he Come won on. this election by a lot. He did. Uh, frankly, we did win this. Election. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we go out. We go to the park. We walk around a bit. The, the energy in the air was crackling. You could feel it. Everyone's excited. Beautiful weather. It's as if the weather was like, we know this fucker lost as well. Yeah. We're going to be as beautiful as possible for a November Saturday. So it's, it's great because we're walking downtown. And you can start to hear horns honking. You can start to hear people cheering. We get to the town square just Biden banners, people with signs, everyone's just popping off in downtown Portsmouth in the town square. Everyone who's driving by is just laying on their horn. Everyone's just cheering. It, what an atmosphere. It was amazing. You had a few Trump people out there with their flags, but completely outnumbered. Yeah. I won't, won't say people were clowning on them, but like they had to feel that like, oh, we're in the minority here. Like, there's this fucking guy out there. He had one of these, like, you know, in uh, Borat when <laughs> they go to the Rednecks apartment or whatever, and there's, like, this animated poster of Trump, like, with an alligator or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He has something in the same vein where it was, like, Trump with, like, muscles. Like, yeah. and I walk by him. I'm like, sweet banner, dude. <laughs> and then I just, like, keep walking. And, like, look. I had a few drinks, so I was like, you had a few you pops. touch me today. Yeah, you can't touch me today. So we're all cheering along, and I just yell. I was like, best Antifa rally I've ever been to. Yes. Got some laughs out of that. People like that. So we're cheering. So we're like, all right, let's, let's walk back, because like, we're starting to get hungry. Let's go get some food. Um, so we're walking back to, uh, to, my, to my apartment, and um, big group of people were headed towards the bridge. Um, there happens to be a couple cops that are just kind of like looking on as we're walking past your boy again, who had a few drinks. He's under the influence. Sean is under the influence. <laughs> After we're walking back, we, we walk past them. I just go, a cab. Okay. <laughs> they definitely heard me. They definitely heard me. Cause like, like I felt their looks, both Caitlin and Kara were like, Sean, like shut the fuck up like what are you doing i was like don't be a cop <laughs> like you don't like it don't be a cop like shut the fuck up so you were feeling and yourself like, what 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 yeah i'm feeling myself I'm like what what and quickly after i was like you know what you're right i shouldn't have said that like that was unnecessary they're not doing anything wrong they're fine <laughs> they're individuals like i'm more upset at the systems not the individual right. we had a good conversation look jake might have had a few a few pops, but I'm always here for a healthy discourse, okay? Yes. I'm always here to hear out the other side. And they both let me know. They're like, look, these are just people. They don't deserve to have, like, shit yelled at them. And I was like, you're right. I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Um, have, you know, have some issues with other things that I took out here. Didn't need to do that. Sounds and like they brought up a great they brought up a great point where yep. they were like they were like as a woman both of them they're like I don't feel comfortable saying anything to anyone ever and I was like oh I was like I made you guys uncomfortable like I'm really sorry about that I was like as like a tall white male I was like 
I don't worry about really anything when it comes to that. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry I made you uncomfortable. I shouldn't have done that. And we had a good cover. They're like, no, it's fine. Like, it's okay. Um, but I wanted to call that out because it was like, I was really feeling myself. I was having a good time, you know, party atmosphere, Jay. Flew close to the sun. Having a healthy discourse. Well, it yeah. sounds like even in even in the moment of being like sort of almost reprimanded or made to feel like oh okay I definitely like I went a little too far. It sounds like I your mood. Yep. Sounds like your mood wasn't dampened too much by that. Oh no, <laughs> it was not. It was not because it was immediately like all right I was wrong I can own that. I'm Another not drink about these guys anymore though. Exactly. We get back. We're you know we're we're watching the Biden speech, which I thought was a great speech. I thought he nailed that. Yeah, he did like, a good job. We, we, we just talked about how, you know, we don't really care about Joe Biden. We're not, we didn't yeah. vote for him in the primary, you know, but I thought he did a really good job with that speech. And I thought Kamala Harris did too. So I thought that was a real like moment when yeah. it came to like America. And I don't say that lightly, but I, I felt like that was a moment. Yeah, we, I had a similar, so Saturday, had a slightly similar experience was not nearly as, as party atmosphere, but it was like a more sedate kind of party atmosphere because um, Mary Kate's sister was in town with her kids and they, we were all meeting over at Mary Kate's mom's house. And so it was like, it was kind of a family gathering, but everyone there was cool and on the level. Everyone was like anti Trump. So we had like anti fa. <laughs> right. So we, <laughs> we had the more like, mellow version of that we got like we the kids were eating their food we were out in the backyard but we we popped some wine and we we were like having some wine to celebrate we had a toast and like it felt like a nice moment like we were we were feeling it with the weather and like we're all outside we're like how about this weather man i'm popping around i'm like playing with the kids like (laughs) oh yeah you know what i mean like really feeling myself too so that was a great day that's gonna be a a memorable day And, and and we just have to hope that any amount of the next four years are re- remotely resemble the, the kind of like jubilance we allowed ourselves to feel that, that day. they can echo that. I, I think, I think we'll have moments that do. And, you know, it was really striking that that day felt like such a release. It felt like a relief and it felt like an emotional release in a lot of different ways. Um, and I don't think I quite realized how much that had been weighing on me or, or, what um Same. what an emotional dam had been keeping things back until we got that result and uh, it was i'm i'm always going to remember that day it was a special day for me for a lot of reasons i'm 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 so happy i got to spend that with uh my little sister um i'm always going to remember that and it was just very very special um i i i think it's going to be like the best day of this year like and it's not even close This has been such a blood nothing year of just day after day of the same shit. And to be able to have that and have that experience was truly, truly special. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we were, we were as a nation, we were the Kevin Malone gif of it just of like, we're Kevin in the office. He's like, he's, it looks like he's ready to cry. He's had a tough week and he's like, it just felt good to win one. And it's like, it fucking did. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. It wasn't a blowout win. It's not a win where we get back to the locker room and the coach is like, nothing to improve on from that one. It's like, no, we have a lot to improve on. And this is still not at all an ideal situation, but it's a fucking win. Even if it was by one point in overtime, I'm going to take it. No, it wasn't that close. No, No, sure, sure, sure. 
by one point in overtime. It was like by a touchdown. It was, it was made to touchdown. it was made to feel it was that close. And correct. But it was actually by like a touchdown. And it, yeah, was, it was like by five million it votes. Was one of those touchdown wins where it was like it felt closer than maybe it was. It's one of those situations where the better team, the team that was actually better prepared, fell behind early, sort of. But, like, once – they never had the lead until the third quarter, and then they took it. And it was like, oh, this actually has a different tenor than the rest of the game yeah. has. And it's like, oh, no, they're actually in control. And, like, we didn't really need to worry. We are absolutely to, right. And I, I, I try to avoid as much as possible – the the uh, kind of red team versus blue team mentality of Democrats versus sure. Republicans because I think that you and I more and more like I don't want to speak for you I do not necessarily associate myself with the Democratic Party I vote for them because they're closer to my personal um, uh, yeah sort of morals I, I, I'm not a dyed in the wool like quote unquote no. Democrat no uh, or or liberal I, I'm I'm like pretty far left me too yeah like more way more progressive. Um, but it's still, I, I think that there, something has to be said about like the, the party pooper mentality of the Republicans who just could not allow people to have one, could not allow people to enjoy a win. And it's like, look, I know that when Trump won in 2016, people were bummed and you had to hear about that for a while. And also there was all the Russia stuff that went on for years where there was, you know, there was something to look into there. But the truth is when Trump was named like when, when the media named Trump president, there was no, was I don't, I don't remember people on the left being like, well, hold on. This is not official. Nope. The states certify the results. Nope. It was no like, one did that. No, no one, one did, did that. that. And so it's like, no, this time Here's around. The thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The people on the right live in an information bubble and they are fed propaganda through multiple different channels, whether it be Fox news, other networks, or Facebook, or 4chan, QAnon, YouTube videos, whatever it is, they live in a true information bubble, and their reality is shaped by that. So these people, like, we can see, like, oh, you guys are, like, delusional. They really believe this. What you just said about, like, Trump's kids or the cabinet being like, no, he can't lose. They're in a bubble. So are the people on the right. Like, They're just fed shit that are lies. And if you consume that every day, all day, you're going to think differently. And like, I get it. It's sad. I deal with people in my life who have been deluded by this. And it's really, really unfortunate. And it's sad to see, actually, to the point where it's like, I, I really can't even talk with you about this because it's so deluded. Like, it's not good for me. It's like, you got to figure that out for yourself. Maybe you'll get there. Maybe you won't. But it's the information bubble, man. And, like, it's just reinforced over and over again. I totally get that. And that, that definitely makes it more frustrating. What also makes it more frustrating is it's coming out of the mouths of people who are in the party that have rigged the system already, literally in ways that are traceable and that are just true, rigged the yep. system in the, to their advantage by, through gerrymandering and through yep. propping up, continuing to prop up the Electoral College. The truth is that people on the left in the current system, in the current environment, need to win not by a little, but by a lot. Because if you win by a little, you lose. Right. And so it, it, it kills me to see people like Tommy Laren and these, these right-wing fucking mouthpieces say, just coming yeah. right out as soon as the election results are winning and being the rain cloud and being like, this is a stolen election. This is terrible. It's like, it's not. 
it, it isn't and you are a broken person who is who cannot who like somewhere along the line received positive affirmation for being like a conservative troll yeah and yep. that has become your personality but the truth is is that like a lot mm-hmm. of like so many more people than you could possibly imagine are fucking pumped right now because this dude lost yes and I think deep down they actually know that, and that's they why do. they're they're railing against this so hard and feel like they need to stomp their feet and cry and bitch about this. And they know this deep down. And I I, I do think in a lot of ways, if you just ignore the rank and file Republican mouthpieces, you're way better off to not give them the time of day. Yeah. Now I, I do think senior party leadership who is feeding into this they're doing it ted cruz for the most cynical fucking reasons they know it's wrong they absolutely do but i do think the mitch mcconnell's of the world the lindsey graham's of the world these people are trash human beings but i think they're making this political calculus they're absolute ghouls dude they're they're fucking soulless bloodless just ghouls I think they're making the political calculus that if we can fire up the base around this election being fraudulent or stolen, they're going to turn out in droves in this Georgia runoff. They're, dude, they're afraid about losing the Senate. That's all they have left, really. Yeah. They're like, we have it. Well, in the Supreme Court the with Senate. a supermajority, but. Well, yeah. Well, but if that Georgia runoff goes the wrong way. Yeah. There's more options open to water down the Senate, which are uh, the, the Supreme court. So I think they're making this calculation that look, they know that people who vote Republican are fucking stupid. They know that they, they, they have disdain for the people who vote for them. They really do. Yep. And I actually feel bad for those people in a lot of ways because it's being taken advantage of. Um, oh, maybe that's a liberal coastal elite fucking perspective to add, but like, hey, you guys are getting duped. Like, you're getting fed propaganda on a daily basis. Sorry. Um, so I think they're making a, a calculation that, like, we're going to rile up the base. We're going to make this in question. We're going to have them turn out in droves. We're going to win this runoff. We're going to control the Senate. And then we're going to hamstring a Biden presidency. I really do think that's the calculus for party leadership. Yeah. The Just the everyday Joe who is you know, reading false stories on Facebook and consuming, you know, God knows what, they really don't know any better. They, they think what they're reading is true and it's sad, um, but they're being taken advantage of by people like Mitch McConnell. It's, it's very sad. I think the thing that frustrates me is the levels to which Republicans are because, and I say this with disdain and I say this with resentment, they are better politicians in terms of seeking pure Dude, power and winning at all costs. hundred percent. Than Democrats. They're better. They're, they're better at playing <laughs> politics than Democrats are. Democrats are bad at it, actually, with the exception of like a few people. I think AOC is actually a very good politician. And, right. And um, she's like she's barely, really her job. Um, she's barely a Democrat by conventional standards. Oh, I know. And she has a lot of problems with the party in general. Of course. You guys fucking are incompetent when it comes to like digital or online. Like you guys don't do anything. She's like, I was raising these flags months ago. No one listened to me because they're afraid of her. Um, Republicans are better at playing politics. And as much as I fucking hate Mitch McConnell, that guy 
is a politician. That guy knows how to play the game. And I, I can only hope that the I, I wish the Democrats had a version of Mitch McConnell on their side to rat fuck the other side like Mitch McConnell does. That guy doesn't give a fuck. And he's good. There's a reason why yep. the Republican Party is close to minority rule in this country. Like yeah. because of guys like him who do not care. No, it's power at all costs. And you, you almost in a roundabout way have to respect it if you didn't loathe it so much. It's like they are, yep. they, they will do literally stop at nothing to spin information and create this feeling that Democrats stole something from you. Democrats did this to you. The left is doing this. The left is doing that. Yep. Almost all of it is a fabrication and it, 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 it's genius. It's genius. It is. And it works. It is. And in a lot of cases, people who vote Republican vote against their own interests. They've been convinced that way. Um, and it, it is. It is genius. It's, uh, it's the greatest trick the devil ever pulled, Jake. Um, but yeah, so we have about half the country who are being deluded by the media they follow, um, the things they post on the internet. Facebook's a real threat to our democracy. I think Fox News is a threat to our democracy, although I do have to tip my cap to them for um, cutting away from Kaylee McEnany. Hopefully stuff like that continues. Um, but yeah, I, look, I'm not going to get too worked up over the oh, the election stolen. Like, we all know it's not. Like, you're not going to stop Biden from being president come January. Stomp your feet all you want. Like, I'm just going to keep laughing at you and ignoring you. Well, the problem, Until Sean, is that we don't do. all know that it's not. A lot of people know. think that they know, know it was stolen. And to them, it's they know. The John Voight video from today. Dude. Honestly, fuck them. Yeah, no, I know. Fuck them. Because until they do something that isn't just making videos online or asserting that, oh, we know it's stolen. Like, what are you going to do about it? No, no, it's not stolen. He's going to be president. Yeah. Fuck off. Until something needs to be done about that. And I'll, I'll be the first one in the streets. I will. I, I, like, if they try and pull any shit, me and millions of other people will be in the streets. But if they're just going to stomp their feet and post shit online, who cares? Fuck them. Like, it doesn't matter. I'll be the first in the streets with millions of other people who will not stand for that bullshit. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think what's, it's just, it's so troubling to see that where the national discourse is at and where it, and, and the, d yeah. the divisiveness. And like, that's the most tropey cliched thing to say about this year and about the political climate. But it like really has been hammered home this week where it's like that, I just fear that it, 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 for so many people, it doesn't matter what's true because if, if Biden is president to them, they're going to, they won't respect it because in their minds, they're like, well, you didn't respect Trump who was president. And it's like, well, I guess we didn't respect him, but he did nothing deserving of respect. I don't know. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. I think just because Biden won doesn't mean these next four years, everything's solved. Like, no, not at all. It's still going to be a contentious and turbulent time in this country. Um, and it's not good for democracy. It's not good no. for our country. It's not good for elections. Like, we are in the most unstable time of our democracy that we've ever been in. So I am nervous about that. I am. Um, I don't know. 
I don't know. Like, I, we're at least on a better track than we were. Yeah. And this shit takes time, I guess. Like, you know, something I wanted to say earlier was four years doesn't seem like that long of a time. It's kind of a long time to, yeah. like, have this rot settling, you know? Yeah. So it's going to take a little bit of time to reverse that. And I, I, I don't think just because Biden won, no. we can be like, all right, everything's fixed now. Um, it's going to take a lot of time. And I actually think 2024 will be more telling than anything. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's why it's like I'm I'm happy Trump lost. And I, I hope Biden can do half the stuff he says he's going to do about unity and stuff. But what we've learned time and time again is that Republicans don't play that way because they don't have to. No. They don't have to. It's not in their best nope. interest to play nice with Democrats. And so they're Democrats, not going to do it. Like Joe Biden and like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who are like, establishment we're play by the rules and we're going to boo, 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 boo. Like, you guys don't get it. You do not get it. Like, the other side's not playing by the same rules you are. They don't care about norms, they don't care about unwritten rules like get with it start playing to win and stop being fucking losers all the time that's, that's what they are that's i know that's what's so scary about the next four years is that is that the republican party is showing no signs that they will distance themselves from conspiracy theories that they will distance themselves from they're embracing it they're embracing it because it riles up a base and and if if they reacted to eight years of Obama, they're going to react to four years of Biden in the 2020s when misinformation is more rampant than ever. The kinds of things that people say about Democrats and stuff, like QAnon stuff online, like that makes people infuriated because they think it's true. Yep. And Republicans will never disavow it. So the truth is, is that they'll prop up some other fascist fucking dictator it wannabe as the next one, whether it's yep. Trump Jr. or whatever wacko far right person. Like, and they'll just they'll prop them up and get behind it because they're like we we don't care these people Mitch McConnell Lindsey Graham Cruz they they don't care the party elites they don't they don't care they don't care and you can they're, say the same about the Democrats they're that they're complicit in their way of not being willing to fight because they're comfortable that that's true like you I get why people on the right are like I hate. Democrats. I hate them. I hate Nancy Pelosi. I hate Chuck Schumer. I hate these people. I get that. I don't like them either. No, me neither. They are a problem. Like, give me the AOCs. Give me the Ilhan Omars. Give me the, um, like, literally any progressive candidate. And, yeah. and this whole thing about, oh, fucking John Kasich gets on CNN is like, you know, the far left of this party needs to realize they almost cost Joe Biden this election. Hey, John Kasich, go fuck yourself, dude. You haven't won a fucking thing. Like, why are we listening to you? Because, like, oh, maybe, like, a, like a, a handful of, like, Republicans voted for Biden instead of Trump. Like, most Republicans pinched their nose again and voted for Trump because they hate the Democratic Party. Yeah, and, and Kasich did nothing to help us help Democrats win Ohio. But you know, who, you know who did something to help? You know who did help flip a state is Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Thank you. Yeah. It was a progressive. Exactly. And it's like, exactly. Because the truth is, is that across the country, on all these referendums and votes about liberal policies like, like drug legalizations, turns out people like that kind of stuff. Dude, $15 minimum wage passed in Florida. Guess what? People want that. 
Yeah, it's like that benefits us. Yeah, and but but people want healthcare when it's not positioned as like this hyper partisan issue, and it's just like, well, this is gonna make your life better. Guess what? People fucking vote for it. Yeah, I mean that gets into a whole other spiel about the failings of the two party system, which are too many to count. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it becomes red team, blue team for all. It's just win at all costs, and like, yeah. But the headline here, Sean. Is that yeah. for this week, I think we are allowed to be fucking happy for one modicum yeah. of time for this sliver of, of a moment, despite all the naysayers, despite all the, the doubt sowing. This happened. Yeah. This is true. And like, we don't need to be gaslit into being told that this election was not legitimate and that our happiness no. was wasted and that we should feel because what's under what's the underpinning of those statements that this was all a fraud that this was like this was stolen and like don't get don't count your chickens before they hatch the underpinning of all that is feel no fucking hope because we have you by the balls that's what's the underpinning of all those kinds of sentiments and it makes me sick they they want that um that's the only card they have left to play is to make you think that they can reverse the results of this and make you feel hopeless. They want that. And just don't give them that power. And then they have nothing like yeah. that. That's it. And I kind of did have that realization this week where I'm like, yeah, this is fucked up, but also I'm just not going to really give this the time of day and I'm going to keep moving and everyone else is too. But if they try and pull some shit, I'm going to be out there. And so are millions of other people. Cause you're not going to pull this shit. You're not going to do it. Yeah. So that's where we're at. A um, couple sad headlines, though, this week, Jake. Um, Alex Trebek uh, lost his battle with cancer tragically this week. Um, I was never in like an avid Jeopardy watcher, but when I did watch it, I always did love it. I, I think Jeopardy Same. is one of the best game shows on TV, and he was obviously a big part of that. So RIP to Alex Trebek. There is uh, a big no- loss. There's no show that quite has the same tone as Jeopardy. It has a this, lot of it was him. A lot of it was a him. lot of it's him. It's very dry. It kind of they they haven't mo- modernized it in too many ways. They've made it more modern, but it has remained essentially a very bare bones type of game show. His voice, the the dry delivery he had, and the very like it had this erudite kind of vibe about it. You know, a couple of my favorite things that I would always notice when I would watch about him um, was when someone would get a question wrong, especially a double jeopardy. He would really make you feel like, Ooh, you fucked up. He's like, Ooh, I'm sorry. It's, yeah. Oh, it's this. It was of or, course, Joan of Arc. It's like that kind yeah, of like, yeah. yeah. Or, um, when someone would mispronounce something badly enough where it wouldn't count as a correct answer, um, he would really make you feel it. Alex Trebek, a little bit judgy, not going to lie. Oh, yeah, he was. Like, he made you feel it if you got something wrong. Where He's like, ooh, and of course, that's not how you pronounce that. <laughs> exactly. And I think, so like, I like, <laughs> like you, I was not some avid Jeopardy person. I'm not an obsessive, but like, it is... It's it's one fewer monocultural thing that was on in the background of all of our lives. You know what I mean? Like Jeopardy, yep. it's just like you know what? Like yep. a few nights a week, I would hear Jeopardy 
or I'd watch five yeah. minutes of it and then go back to my room or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it just was there and Trebek was always there. And um, yeah. That, and I was never upset when it was on. I was always no, like, I mean, oh, Jeopardy. Like, I'm never going to be like, got to watch Jeopardy. But if it was on, I was like, yeah, okay, Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure, sure. Like, I don't mind Jeopardy. Yeah, there, there's something to be said about that. And there's less and less monocultural institutions like that that we can rely on. Like, I mean, at this point, what does it do? Like, maybe Wheel of Fortune that yeah. we're like, yep, that's Steve Sajak. You know, like, that, that's Vanna Waite. That's all we got left at this point. Like, I know. who's going to take over Jeopardy and own it like he did i, I was just about to, possible anymore. i was just about to ask the same and i think that the only way to continue jeopardy is not to do a trebek impression you cannot have somebody you go can. in there you gotta reinvent yeah you can't have someone go in there and try to be trebek because there he is literally inimitable like there's no one who can carry that out like he can so you need to have someone who brings their own new energy to it i don't mean like be fucking steve harvey or like be you know like drew carey or like you know someone who's gonna blow it up and make it this fun crazy thing with confetti but like bring your own different new energy that's gonna be a tough find i think i know i know we'll see what happens there um the other sad headline, Jake, and I, I got to be honest, this one hit me a little bit harder than Same the, here. the Alex Trebek news. Tommy Heinsohn, longtime color commentator for the Boston Celtics, former champion and player with the Boston Celtics, passed away. And coach. Week. Uh, and coach, that's right. Um, an icon, a legend, the voice of Celtics games uh, throughout our childhood and into our early adulthood. What a loss for one of the most just classic franchises in all of sports. Uh, I, I really felt this one. We talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but man, I, what, are you, what are you thinking here? There, there is no sound that, that is more nostalgic to me than the sound of Mike Gorman and Tom Heinsohn's voices over like the squeak of basketball sneakers in Boston, like watching it on a weeknight. You know what I mean? Like it's not even a full crowd. There's it's probably 80% full and like it's 2004 Celtics suck, but like I, I'm 12 or I'm 11 or I'm 10 and I'm, I'm like very invested in the Celtics in a way that really only a kid can be. And yep. they were my first favorite team. It was, and Tom Heinsohn was like someone who I was just like, you know, He's definitely a little eccentric and he's always pretty pissed at the refs and like yells a lot. Always. But I always Always. got a warmth from that dude as a commentator and as like he was more passion than logic, but I kind of loved that. Yes. I kind of loved it. But it made sense. It made sense for him as the color guy for the Celtics night in, night out. Um, What a figure. What a character, dude. What a character. He was always pissed at the refs. Um, Such a deep, gravelly voice. I know, I know. Handing out Tommy points with, like, literally no rhyme or reason. When I was a kid, around the age you were just talking about, like that 2003-2004 era when I was, like, watching a lot of games, I would get really hung up on, like, who's winning the Tommy Award. Like, who's going to get it Me too. And I would always be like, well, this guy just dove on the floor for a loose ball and he handed out a Tommy point for someone who did that last quarter. Why didn't he get one? And the answer is like, he forgot or like just didn't think of it because like there's no rules for it. And as a kid, I was like, 
but I want rules for Tommy points. And I didn't realize that like that was kind of the brilliance of it. Is yeah, like there are whatever Tommy feels in the moment. For, like I love that shit. For I the record, it. for the record, for any listener who is a non-New Englander, the Tommy Award Tommy Points system was was basically this. It was during the course of a game. Tom Heinsohn, who was the color commentator for like the local broadcasts of the Celtics, would award in completely arbitrary fashion, as Sean laid out, Tommy points, which were basically signifiers of hustle plays or like grittiness. It was like if you dove for a loose ball or you fought for a rebound or like you know like a great outlet pass or like a you know like a fast break. Like and one, those were Tommy points, like hustle plays, gritty plays. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, Tommy would hand out the Tommy Award, which did not always correlate to like most Tommy points awarded. No, <laughs> no. Now, I remember it always being a sad night when Tommy would have to give the Tommy Award to like a member of the Pacers or a member of the Pistons because the Celtics oh. just got blown off the floor that night. And he'd be like, yeah, tonight it goes to Reggie Miller. You know, he 31 points, <laughs> 15 rebounds. You know, I, he, And he, he'd be real terse about it. He'd be short. He'd be like, yep. Yeah. Like, it wasn't as excited to do that. Exactly. He's just the best. Exactly. Man. I was watching clips of of like of early Tom, you know, not early to me, not early in his life, but like what I view as prime Tom Heinsohn commentating from when I was a kid, and it was like it was making me so nostalgic. He's the best, dude. He, no one like him. What a loss. Um, that one hit me. It really, really did. Uh, R.I.P. Tommy Einstein. That that feels like a tether to childhood in a simpler time that has been yep. cut, honestly, in, yeah, when, in a when, big way. When we were sending clips around in our group chat, it was Bill, big friend of the pod, one of our friends, who was like, if I watch this clip, I might cry. Like, I, I felt that. I was like, that, I, know. I agree. And he's Tom Heinsohn is this dude who is like, he's a thread with all our friends. Everyone knows who Tom Heinsohn is. Yep. No, no matter if you were into the Celtics even a little, you like get Tommy Heinsohn jokes. You know. you know what I mean? And he he made watching regular season Celtics games better, even when they sucked. Yeah. Like he made it better. He made it something. It felt more special when he was calling that game. Um, Walter, Walter. Um, <laughs> let's let let's talk about a little bit of music, Jake. So yeah. I think I think what we want to do with the podcast. Um, going forward is exactly what we kind of just did, which is take the the after show pre-show and just make it more part of the show. I think for the last year or two, we realized that that is the part that we gravitate to more. I think people who do listen probably appreciate that part too, as they've gotten to know us. So I think we're going to make it more of just sort of like, yeah, we're going to talk about music still, but we're also going to weave in some of the other parts of life and culture that are going on right now. Um, this time it was the election. Maybe other times it'll be movies, TV shows, yeah. other pieces of pop culture, other pieces of news, whatever it is. Um, and we're going to kind of do it that way. And I think what we realized is our relationship with music has evolved and changed a little bit over time, which you would expect. We're not obsessively listening to every single album that comes out anymore, nor do we have the time or energy to do that. Um, But there's still a lot of stuff out there that we do enjoy listening to and that we do want to talk to or talk about. Um, But we're going to weave in some of the other things too. 
So I think we'll still do our hot thoughts section, Jake. Um, yeah. What do you think? Well, and if I could add, I, it doesn't mean that we won't regularly or, or some of the time lead with music. It might still be, exactly. you know, we, we, I think the amount of time we spent on the election today might be, you know, that's based on circumstance. This, it felt appropriate. I don't think it will always be 45 minutes on the top about like, you know, some, something that's not musical. We might very well start with music a lot right. of the time, but I think what we've realized is that the other stuff that ends up put after the music at the end of the podcast is like, that's some of the most fun stuff. And why not just make it part of the show? Because if, if you're still listening to this podcast, you, there's, you probably enjoy some of that. We hope so. And it, I, I, and I would it's think more fulfilling for us too, I think. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. So in terms of music, uh, over the last month, since we've had our last episode, um, there's a, there's a couple albums that came out. Um, and I wanted to hit on this new Adrian Lanker album, Jake, because I actually think this is one of the best ones that have come out this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so Adrian Lanker, obviously the lead singer and songwriter behind one of our favorite bands, Big Thief. She put out a solo album called, well, she put out two technically. I'm treating it kind of as one. Yeah. Um, songs and instrumentals. <laughs> First of all, um, I love just the simplicity of both of these titles here. We're just like, yep, here's some songs. Here's some instrumentals. And like, that's what I'm calling it. There you go. Um, and it's the same album art for both. And like, that's kind of why I'm treating it all as uh, of a piece. Yep. Um, so this, I would say is sort of like the, in the same vein as, as her last solo record, um, more of sort of like that acoustic um, kind of just, her and a guitar. Um, I guess she kind of went away to a cabin in Western Massachusetts very early on in quarantine um, to record this album. And it was literally just her, her guitars, tape recorder, put it down. And this is what we ended up getting. And I think it is a beautiful collection of songs that feels, um, I don't know, just so intimate and so beautiful that like, I don't know, this is sort of, just again lending to um the genius of adrian lanker that we've we've come to see over the last few years and really i think solidifies her as one of the best songwriters that uh is making music right now yeah i i don't have a ton really to add to that i agree with everything you said and i think something i'm always struck by with with adrian lanker is that it's just the the amount of songs she churns out she seems to always have material i feel like she's a person who she just pretty much like writes songs that's like what she does most of the time if she's not doing something else which is really cool and yeah i agree there's a definite intimacy on this album and it, it, i sometimes forget it's not a big thief album until i you know it, it reminds me of obviously that adrian lanker album from a couple of years ago i'm forgetting the name of it where it, it the cover a biscuit yeah. Okay. Biscuit. Wow. I for, that's a what a title. Um, yeah. Really intimate in a way that really sh only she can deliver. Sort of. She has a very yeah. specific style of guitar playing that I I think I could like, kind of. It's almost like I could point it out in a lineup of like styles of guitar playing. She has her own sort of signature finger pick style that she goes with, and um, and her voice is so it's interesting. She doesn't have like on paper, like the strongest voice certainly in terms of, but she, she makes do with what she has in a way that's like really incredible. And yeah, I've been, I've been enjoying this album a great deal as well. Um, 
I think the lyrics on these songs are some of the best she's ever written. Um, I'm thinking specifically of songs like Anything um, mm-hmm. or Not A Lot, Just Forever. Yeah, dude. Um, just, I don't know. It's it's hard to even put into words, but I, I, I just think this is very, very beautiful. Um, this is going to rank high on my end of the year list. I think, I, I think this will be a top 10 album for sure. Um, right up there with some of the best big thief albums in my opinion. And I think this has been, um, a word I like to use Jake this year is a, a balm yes. for the, the ills of this year that we're dealing with. Um, and this album has been like this beautiful moment in a sea of shit this year. Yep. Um, so I've really, really appreciated it. And I've, I've gone back to it a lot. She has a way of writing the strangest little earworm, like phrases and couplets and stuff. Like I find myself walking around singing the um, everything eats and is eaten line to myself. And it's just like, I, it's, I, it's I actually think... super creepy in a way, but it's like, it's true. And it, it's a fun, I don't know, it's a good the... little melody. And I actually don't even know. It's the second track. It's it's in, Indigar, Indar, yeah, in, Ingitar, whatever that is. Um, the lyrics on that are uh, some of the best lyrics I've ever heard. I love that line of every everything eats and is eaten. Time is fed. Like that's an amazing, yeah, amazing thought in lyric. She's on one um, with that. Absolutely, she. This is like an all-time songwriting output hot streak, like like yeah. of all time. Like go back to Beatles in the '60s shit. If you think back to when we first started listening to Big Thief, when Masterpiece came out, yep. If someone was like, "Yeah, by the way, this artist is going to put out some of the best albums of the next five six years," like yeah, that pretty impressive run that she has been on. Not just with Big Thief, but like just the whole output. Yeah, we'd have been a little surprised. I certainly would have been. I think that often with them where it's like, I, I expected that to be like a pleasant surprise album that was from an artist that, did, that I would not stick with over time. But it's been the opposite. It's been the when, opposite. I, I, I agree. When, when I was like, oh, Masterpiece, this will be one of these albums that's like this sort of um, diamond in the rough indie rock album that I always remember as being good this year, but maybe I don't really stick with this band yes. much after it. Yep. When do you think that shifted for you? Was it when Capacity, capacity. came out? Were you like, oh, this band's yep. gonna stay? Yeah, it was Capacity yeah. because, and then and then last year with with the two albums, really, really hammered it home. But yeah. Capacity for me was like, because that's my favorite of their their albums, I think straight up even still I think it's still mine too it's close between ufof but i i think it's probably still i think it's capacity yeah it's between those two for me as well but it, i think ultimately i mean it's like yeah. it, it, if you even need to pick favorites but that if i had to that's right 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 absolutely so yeah that that one has been uh, fantastic a couple other ones i want to hit on quickly jake um drive-by truckers put out yeah. their second album of 2020 with the new okay this was kind of a surprise release, came out of nowhere uh, last month. Um, so I guess they had a little bit of leftover material from um, their album that came out earlier this year, which I'm blanking on the name, but let me find oh. it really quick. The Unraveling, um, which actually I thought was pretty good. I, I like that yeah, album. Yeah, it is um, good. So 
so they had some leftover tracks. They were like, wow, this year is a shit show. We can probably churn out some other stuff. Um, so they ended up writing a couple other songs and then they did a rework of the perilous night and a cover of the Ramones, the KKK took my baby away and they right. put out a new album. Um, I think this is pretty good. Um, I think the highlights here are actually the title track, the new okay totally and that rework that. of the perilous night. I, I, I love the new. Okay. I've actually listened to that song a fuck ton yeah. and I put it on my, my Trump lost playlist. Ooh, nice. I have to say, the uh, drive-by truckers, Patterson Hood in in particular, um, has churned out some of the best, dare I say, protest music yeah. of the Trump era, and has spoken to this weird red-blue divide in America better than almost anyone who is putting out music. And I think the new OK speaks to that. That was kind of the big takeaway for me. Yeah, I totally agree about the title track. It went instantly onto my my best songs of the of the year playlist, and I think it's really great. Patterson Hood has become strangely like one of my favorite songwriters in general. Like I like even though I don't I don't have that well I don't have a wealth of knowledge about their discography, and I don't have that much interest in going back. But that album American Band they put out. Four, four years ago, 2016, I think, um, yeah. is really great. It has, I think he specifically shines on that album across the board. Um, he's just like, that dude is like my kind of songwriter. I love the kind of songs he writes and just like all his tendencies melodically, the way he, the chord progressions and like the, I am, I think he's great at doing the kind of like impressionistic, like, I think back to the uh, the song about it was basically about school shootings. What was it called again? Flags, yeah. at, uh, what something of Umpqua. Uh, guns of Umpqua. Guns. I wanted to say flags. Um, yeah. It's so like it's kind of just like these moments in time, little almost like little vignettes, but the with the theme of the the school the, the shooting aspect being thrown in there, and like I don't know. I guess what I'm rambling about and trying to say is that I've 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 really respect Patterson Hood, and I I. I me too and, Always and i think getting to songs. getting to see them at newport folk fest um, so good and just some of the stories he was telling like about his neighbor um and it just his perspective on being from the south but not having the same political or even social views as a lot of people that he grew up with or who are in his family it's gotta be um, alien really resonates and i yeah, and I think he has a unique perspective where he can kind of see both sides. And I think that comes out in his songwriting in particular. So, yeah, I, the new OK, um, I, I think that's fitting, too, given that he and he said he's like, you know, when when people ask me how I'm doing, I'm saying, you know, like I, I'm doing OK. I'm doing OK. Like, yep. that's kind of the best we can do. And I really like that sentiment. Like it's the new okay. Like you can really only hope to be okay right now. I'm not going to be doing good. Um, I can only hope to be okay. So yeah, it's, it is the new okay in a lot of ways. So I like that as a sentiment. Um, the other new one we had, Jake, uh, one of tricks point never um, with magic. One of tricks point never. I only just realized um, one of tricks point never grew up i think in the boston area 
do you remember jake magic 106.7 the radio station yeah i think that's where he's getting his name really certainly where he is pulling the because uh, this this whole oh. album is kind of about like i mean the the first track on here is called cross talk one and it's like pulling in radio clips and right. like this whole album is meant to be this sort of like futuristic radio feel of like okay different voices being cut in and out and he's doing a pun of magic 106.7 with magic 10 tricks point never and like oh, that whoa. just clicked for me and it's really cool to have grown up in this area have heard that radio station growing up and to be like oh my god he was hearing the same radio stations we were and he took that as influence for his name and this whole album is kind of like an ode to like fm radio and okay. sort of like this collage of sounds that you would hear um i've been going back to this i, I think it's pretty good i think it's one of the most pop forward albums one of tricks point never has put out um i've been really enjoying it. it's been a nice little work album I, there's a couple songs on here that i've taken away i like it so th what you just told me put it, a lot of context into place that makes me understand it better. Because I listened once and I definitely liked it. And I, the first thought I had was that it was like the least purely musical like uh, sort of um, release that he's done. Because they did have all these interstitial like radio sounds and like voices, and which I thought was interesting. But I thought I was like, this is an interesting shift for him. So yeah, I'm going to go back to this for sure. I actually, One of Tricks Point Never has become a, like a, pretty steady presence in music that is like he like that dude's getting known now especially since he did the the soundtrack for uncut gems um uncut dude, gems and and good good time the right. other safety brothers film uh with robert pattinson if you haven't watched that i think i might like good time more than uncut gems even really um, yeah, i would highly seen. recommend checking that out i think it might still be on netflix i'm not sure you could probably find it on a streaming service but check that out and i think it's very telling this is his most pop forward album. He got The Weeknd to be on a track. And obviously The Weeknd had a cameo in Uncut Gems. Right. They probably got to know each other there. It seems like maybe that opened some doors for him mm -hmm. that he did. wouldn't have gotten to go through otherwise. So, yeah, nice. He had, I mean, he's been a staple for the last decade now. Um, yeah, and he went true. from being this really niche kind of underground guy and now collabs with The weekend and, and being on Oscar-nominated movies. So yeah, very Big shout. Big shout to Daniel Lopatin. That's right. 1-0 tricks. Uh, quick hits, Jake. I got one for you. Bruce Springsteen. He keeps putting out records. And we love Bruce Springsteen, folks, don't we? We love Bruce. The boss. We love him. <laughs> very much with our people. Um, so he puts and out a, a new album called <laughs> i know uh letter to you uh this is the follow-up to uh, last year's western stars bruce prolific songwriter just churning out tracks, going. churning out albums um this one is his first with the e street band since whew, i don't know maybe like the rising um or maybe even before that i'm not i'm not totally sure but this is his first with the E Street Band in a while. Um, I did not expect, this happens to me with every 21st century Bruce Springsteen album. I do not expect it to be as good as it ends up being. This guy can't really put out a bad album. There's a He's handful, too like, look, 
it's 12 songs, almost an hour long. It's too long for me, but there's like four or five songs on here where I'm like, yeah, like these are fucking awesome. In particular, I think Janie Needs a Shooter is good. That's classic Steen. Last Man Standing, If I Was a Priest. And my favorite, I think, is Rainmaker, which I think is a not-so-subtle, like, anti-Trump song. And that also made it onto my Trump Lost playlist, which you can find on Spotify. I highly recommend listening to it. 45 tracks of songs I've been listening to lately that I was listening to when I turned up on Saturday for Sleepy Joe. Um, there's some songs on there that kind of like define the, this year, this, these last few months and just kind of the feelings of Trump losing. Yeah. Um, so I've been going back to that one and I put that song Rainmaker on there. So I just wanted to say like, Bruce, the old guy still got it, still churning out good, some good music. So I haven't listened to that album, but I, I listened to him on Conan O'Brien's podcast. And I guess that this, um, album came out of a guy in new york city that bruce just ran into in the street like gave him a guitar just gave bruce springsteen a guitar and didn't think much of it at first a bruce springsteen story i know and he was given this guitar and he's like it wasn't until i got home and started playing the thing that i realized it's it's a really beautiful guitar man like and he's like he's got this whispery kind of voice and and so yep. he wrote a bunch of songs on this guitar is is i guess the story behind that so i, I might check that out that's I awesome stars last year i will say listen to the track rainmaker this song okay. is like this is like mid 80s bruce i'm rocking and i actually think the vocal performance he puts in on this he's digging deep and it's like this dude's like 70 yeah and he's you wouldn't know it by listening to this song. Listen to Rainmaker. That that I think that song rocks. I'll check it out. Two other things I wanted to hit quickly. One, um, in the in the realm of contemporary releases, System of a Down put out two new songs, which they, they have not released music in 15 years since Hypnotize and Mesmerize. System of a Down is an interesting band where they actually suit Sean our listening habits really well because like they did not release EPs. They did not like, they have just like four albums or five albums. They just have albums and they don't really release singles all that much. And these are the first ones to come out in years. I guess they are to benefit um, stuff in Armenia that's going on related to Azerbaijan. I won't pretend like I fully understand the whole extent of that situation, um, but they've always been politically active. They're good songs. I, I didn't listen for a few days because I was a little bit like, uh, I don't know, System of a Down, 2020. Like, what do I, I going to think? <laughs> right. They sound good. The, the uh, Surge and, and, uh, and Darren, the two singers, sound as like, good as they always have. They sound the same. And they, yeah, they're, they're wow. good songs, especially Protect the Land, the first of the two tracks, which I uh, really like. Nice. Um, so, yeah, uh, those awesome. good songs, a little – little uh, some some music from System of a Down, which I didn't expect. And then the other thing I wanted to hit oh, yeah. this will not be a deep dive in this in the spirit of ones I've done in the past, but I in the past two weeks have gotten way into Graham Parsons music. Um and across different projects and stuff, like the music he made with the birds on Sweetheart of the Rodeo, um, his solo music, and then the music he made with the flying, flying burrito brothers with uh, Chris Hillman, who is a member of the birds. Um Really incredible stuff in keeping with my trajectory towards awakening toward what good country music is and like what I, my relationship yep. with that actually is. Um, 
so many great songs that this dude was a part of making or inspired people to kind of make. And um, yeah, it's opened some doors. The, the, the songs, Christine's tune and sin city off of the first flying burrito brothers album um, are excellent. And then a bunch of the songs on sweetheart of the rodeo by the birds are, are really cool. And then especially uh, the song return of the grievous angel, the first track on Graham Parsons, final solo album is excellent it's like it's like exactly what you would want a country slash kind of country rock song to be it's like pretty perfect so quick cool. spiel on that um yeah i i would like to check that out i i do have to say my appetite for going back to older stuff that has not come out this year lately has been almost non-existent over the last couple months. And I, I blame everything going on around me and the, the lack of energy that I've had to commit yeah. to that. But I love that you've been able to kind of dive in with some of this stuff. So that's well, great. That's, I mean, that has kind of happened to my appetite for new music, frankly. And it's just, I think it's just where your yeah. comfort zone lies. And this is where I've been like most comfortable is like kind of discovering this older music. Um, Cause I already knew some of it in a way I, I'd heard a lot of it that helps. in the past, you know, yeah. so that's there, uh, that but it's, it's good stuff. Cool. And, but you had a little mini Beatles kick recently, didn't you? Like a week of Beatles. Stuff? I did actually. I realized that the Beatles, um, it's just such a comfort. And as I have had more, um, like the barrier for listening to stuff I'm not familiar with has gotten higher being able to go back to the Beatles and just have that be like this, this nice little like comfort for me was really nice. So I did have a little stretch. Uh, what was it last week? Maybe the week before, Something I think like the that. Week before um, where I was able to listen to some of my favorite Beatle albums and then some of their solo stuff. Even that was like a nice little comfort for a few days. So I love that they're always there. It's, it's refreshing to have that, like just remind me, um of this band that i'll always always love so that that was nice to go back to yeah um just to wrap up uh, to hit on some other things i i did just want to recommend uh the queen's gambit tv show on netflix i'm a big chess guy um it's about a female chess prodigy in the 1960s based on the true story i believe um so if you're interested in chess or if you just like well done well directed uh period piece tv shows recommend checking it out i believe it's only seven episodes um they are about an hour each maybe a little bit less um but i recommend it it's good i'm about halfway through right now excited to see where it goes uh but that is sort of where i'm at in terms of other things going I, on i will recommend in a similar vein well not a similar vein in terms of content but as a like a something to watch um the documentary reversing row is really really good mm. very eye-opening it's a netflix nice. documentary um worth checking out um and and shows the way in which women's rights to choose related to abortion have been just completely um you know manipulated for political gain since really reagan and since the 80s and how yeah the way it has been twisted over time and how the way lawmakers today are slowly but steadily chipping away and eventually planning to knock over the house of cards that, you know, as they call it, 
to like eliminate because the truth is, is that these people are they came they're coming forward at a federal level they want to reverse roe versus wade they want to reverse that decision so it becomes a state's rights issue but the truth is, is that they'll mm-hmm. never a lot of these people are radicals the people who are truly anti-abortion from like this like far sort of religious fervor type of place and they won't stop once it's a state rights issue they'll you know Right. Do anything they can right. to stop murder, as they call it. So, anyways, oh my God. worth a watch. Very informative. I learned a lot. Sounds like liberal propaganda, Jake. They interview fairly balanced um, people on both sides of, of that debate. Um, and I came down where I was always going to come down on it, but it was like, <laughs> right, right. They don't ignore the voices of people who are, they, you know, they give prime interview space to people who are fervently anti-abortion so interesting yeah interesting cool very nice well um that will do it for the new version of the listening podcast thanks everyone for sticking around thanks for listening uh and we will see you next time jake i think we should figure out our schedule for end of the year stuff because we're almost already there i'm already starting to think about it a couple things i want to do um, obviously our end of the year, best songs, best tracks. I would also like to do, um, the top 10 defining albums of the Trump era. Uh, um, oh, okay. Okay. Maybe we can both start thinking about that and we can find a time to do it, whether it's, you know, before we do our best albums of the year or after it doesn't really matter, but let's start thinking about that. Cause I actually think making this Trump lost playlist has got me thinking about like, there's some definitive songs that really speak yeah. to this. And I think there's some definitive records too. Um, so let, maybe we do that. Maybe we come yeah. up with our top 10 and whenever we're ready to fire that off, we, we can record an episode. That'd be great. Yeah. Especially at the new pace we've been going with episodes. We'll have to honestly, like the next episode we do, will probably be a wrap up thing. Like, we'll, the ne- like it, I don't know that we'll probably have a will. regular it, episode. Yeah. Our next one probably will be our best, albums and songs uh of the year but we can fit in um that top 10 uh sometime after that so that sounds great let's think about that cool man all right guys thanks for listening everyone thanks everybody